That record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic available at isthistomorrow.com. That record got me high and Is This Tomorrow bring you Captain Beefheart. Before you came out, I was looking at your album. Let me ask you one question about this gentleman here on the back, a picture of obviously a guy who performed on the album. Yeah. Richard Midnight Hat Size Snyder. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Now I know. I know yeah, that. Uh, I know that you sometimes give musicians names. I had to in this case, Snyder. I mean, I mean, I had to give him Midnight Hat Size because we got him that hat. I had him put those uh, bow ties on the front and the back, black one and the white one. No, it, it looked better. The, that red uh, derby didn't make it without the. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But. He's a Winnebago Sioux Indian. Mm-hmm. So midnight hat size. That's yeah. a very unusual. He needed unusual. a hat. They called <laughs> called my manager Gary Lucas, who was also on this album. And called him in the middle of the night. Said he wore a size eight hat. Yeah. Now that's impossible. It is impossible. That's a pretty well, big I mean, hat, it's isn't possible, it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. impossible in this case. Well. Um... <laughs> What size hat does he wear? Uh, seven and three eighths. Oh, good. Which ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but not an eight. No, not an eight, sure. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're talking about hat sizes. Mike? Hey. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? We're doing well. We're sitting here um, staring at each other like we do for the first few minutes of the show, or before the show starts. I don't look at you, Barry. <laughs> Pre-show. He's, a, he's, a, um, he's not telling the truth. He actually does look at me. <laughs> he, not, he doesn't know that he does, but he does. How you doing, Mike? Nice to meet you. I'm good. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And every week we take a record, either one that uh, we pick or uh, one of our guests pick, or in uh, Barry's case, he picks it for the guest that he his his guest. And uh, <laughs> did I do that? Our, well, let's find out who was. Yeah, our no, gu- I think I picked this one. Who was uh, our guest? This uh, all right. Well, uh, this it's you introduce guys. Introduce yourself. You guys have act, uh, obviously conferred on this beforehand. <laughs> so who was our guest? Who was our guest this week, Barry? Mike Coleman. Mike, you want to? How you doing, Mike? It, Welcome, Mike. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And Mike's one of uh, um, your Tallahassee friends. Yes. Band, band dude, That's and right. was a great band. Mike, I don't, I don't know if Barry told you, but I have the. See, he gave me the singing. You were in a band called the Singing Spoons, and he gave yeah, me this spoons. this album that was never actually officially released called American, right. American okay. Buckle, and it's it's amazing. It's so good. I told Barry we should just release it, uh, yeah. bootleg it. Don't you know us <laughs> release it and not give you any credit? But um, I'll do that. That's really nice of you to say that. I mean, I'm glad someone, you know, I put it out on Bandcamp a few years ago, and I'm glad that somebody's, you know, some people are enjoying it. I mean, we put, like, all, we worked on that thing forever, and, you know, and then, of course, like, most Tallahassee bands, you know, put a record out, and you yeah, record yes. a well, second one and immediately implode. Yep. It's really good, and we'll, we'll definitely put a link up to it on our site. Yeah, we'll so it up. is on Bandcamp now? 
Yeah, that, yeah, it is, but I I don't have that in front of me. Uh, we'll, we'll, fine. we'll sort fine. it all out. We'll get it up there, yeah. and we'll and we'll change the the PayPal to go to directly to our PayPal <laughs> yeah. for it. And right. it'll, yeah. it'll, uh, I mean, we know those pay, those yeah those Bandcamp <laughs> dollars are really rolling in. <laughs> it's really uh, no, it's great, and and honestly, yeah. Usually, if someone gives you a oh, this is my friend's band, let's do it. You know, I'm just singing. Oh, okay, I'll give it. I'll listen to it a little bit, and then obviously I'll probably hate it and not listen to it. But I just this I was like. Oh my God, this is amazing! And I remember listening to it on. I've listened to it since then. I've listened. So to let's go. Through, but let's really okay. And then after Singing Spoons, you were in. After Singing Spoons, I was I uh, I was in a band called Ultra Boy with uh, the other guitar player in Singing Spoons, uh, Chris Gissenmanner. Right, and you guys and, had a reunion. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And who was the other? And then a bunch of bands after that. <laughs> Kelly Shane is the other half of, of uh, Is This Tomorrow? So he was in. Oh, okay, okay. And so Woody, Woody Compton was in Insect Fear with Pat Bruce. Uh, look at all these Tallahassee. So, Mike, have you been, you're basically a Tallahassee boy. Like, you've been in Tallahassee your whole life, right? Um, mo- most of it. I mean, I'm, we moved here when I was, like, seven or eight or something. Okay. 76, so. Right, and yeah, then, and so you're I've there. I've lived still. here pretty much the whole time. Do you know, Mike? Do you know that Tallahassee is actually attached to the rest of the country? That you could drive <laughs> out out of Florida? Do you know that? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I've, been, I've been out of Florida. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, that's good. Tallahassee for you. <laughs> yeah, Tallahassee is a great place. If I had to live anywhere else in Florida other than Hollywood, Florida, I would live in Tallahassee. Really? Yeah, okay. for sure. For well, real. Yeah, there's for sure. obviously some great bands up there. Great musicians. All right. Um, all right. So, Mike. Like, so you're so you're in so you actually did pick this record. Barry didn't say. I did. Barry, Barry, but Barry didn't say, "Hey, Mike, you want to be on our show? We, you should, we should do." And then say the the uh, album, lick my decals off. No, I don't really. I think he just oh. asked me what record I wanted to do. Maybe really? I don't know. Did you? Did you? It's possible. It's possible. I might have I said something about it. I, I might have said Captain Beefheart. You ever see in, Inception, yeah. the movie Inception? I think it's probably the same thing. He accuses me of doing it a lot, and I've actually stopped doing it because. Well, good. I'm glad. That's I, good. Not because That's, I think it's bad, because I. Get Tired of That's to why I shit. do it to, to shame you and to uh, you know hopefully uh, change your behavior. Um, so Mike, uh, before we get going, uh, all right. So we didn't. Did we mention we're doing uh, a Captain he- Beefheart, the Captain Beefheart record? Mike, go. Uh, oh, uh, lick my decals off, baby. That's right. Right, which is their four, his fourth album, right? And came out in 1970, December 1970. Yeah. Yeah, it's his follow-up record to Trout Mask Replica, which is you know. Right, probably that's, his most famous record. Right, right, it is, and um, not least of which is the reason is it has a picture of him holding a. It's not a trout, actually. He's holding a carp head over his face. Oh, is that a carp head? It's a carp. Yeah, it's not uh, a trout. And there's actually some film of that, which is even more disturbing than the cover. But oh yeah, where he's got the where he's got the soprano sack shoved in the mouth. Yes, of the carp. Yes. <laughs> All right, so you guys obviously you guys are both fans of Captain Beefheart. Did you guys become fans of him the same time when you like when were you when you guys met well, each other? I don't know, friends? Mike. I mean, Mike, when did you start listening to Beefheart? Okay, so I, when I was uh, kind of, er, I, I guess maybe early on, I don't know. Like what what the way I got into him is I was I was staying up late and I was watching Letterman. Oh, this is yeah. probably like 1982. I would have been like 13 or 14. Right. And he and he has this guy on, you know, and he comes out and he's got a paper bag with a bottle in it. 
Yep. And he's act, you know, he's acting all weird. And uh, yeah. you know, I thought, well, the, you know, they played the they. He didn't perform. He did. He did this. Kind oh, of he interview just he just had him as a guest, as an interview guest. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that they were just like, you know. This guy's music so fucked up. Right. Basically. <laughs> we're not going to actually let him perform. <laughs> right. Uh, but we're going to have um, him on. But we just want to have him on. Yeah, and uh, it was it was it was really I don't know. Like they showed the video for Ice Cream for Crow, which yeah. was I guess off his last record, and uh, I was like, man, that is really weird. I gotta I gotta go. I gotta try and get a copy of that record. But at the time, I didn't. I you know basically it's like go to the mall. You know, and right. try to find this record. And you're not going to find. They actually had a copy of it. Oh, at they did. Musicland. Oh, wow! Good for Musicland. Yeah, took it on and played it. I loved it because I was just like, I just liked how um, it was just so odd. I had never heard anything like it before. You know, I was into prog rock and stuff, and I was into like, you know, classic rock. You know, it was like right. stacking Fog Hat records. Fog Hat, yeah, I knew Fog Hat was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, or so this something record. like that, you know, or or, or or King Crimson records, you know. Right. Okay, so but, um, so that record you got was his like last record that he last, did. Yeah. So yeah. it was I mean, probably a little more com- maybe. It's I mean, not. It's it is. It's no. not like a little more tuneful or commercial I, than his earlier stuff. Um, what do you think? I, there's parts of it there. I mean, like parts the, of it are the part. Ice the song "Ice Cream for Crow" is got kind of a. It's got an interesting sort. Of, it's like sort of a almost a John Lee Hooker kind of thing going on in it but it's yeah, still it's got, got that kind of loping it's still rhythm. weird as weird as hell and the lyrics are weird as hell and you know there's there's some songs on the record that are just as as angular as um as this album but then there's some you know there's some more um melodic things but it's still not a really you don't look at it and go oh that's that's there's really a lot of compromising going on on that record so did you? Yeah. So Mike, once you got this record, did you like start w- working your way uh, backwards on his records? Like, what what did you get after that? I did, but that was the thing. It was um, it was hard to find his records. I mean, that was the only one, and I that would was imagine, it was yeah. New. And um, so it was hard to find his his albums. Um, I will say this: that uh, you know, I used to listen to music a lot up in my room, and like my mom would be up there ironing. <laughs> <laughs> and this record, like, really, really offended her yeah. sensibility. She yeah. was like, "This is the worst music I've ever heard." And I was like, "Well, it, yeah." I could but, commiserate. Um, I could commiserate with your mom a little. I'm gonna say that because uh, are you all right? So you, but when you got this record, did you get it right away? Uh, did you like it like right from the start? I did, but but probably because I thought it was funny. Right. Yeah. Well, it I is funny, it. but it I is it. funny. Uh, it is. I liked it because it was funny, and and I liked it because it was weird and and different. Right. And, and, and you were and, just, and you were young. You were like uh, middle school 14. age, right? Or yeah. All right. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. High school. Yeah. Thirteen or fourteen. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I did. I did start working my way back through his catalog. But the weird thing was, is like the only other record I could find for him in any mall store was like a cutout of like this middle period he had that people yeah. you know refer to as like the tra- Captain Beefheart and the Tragic Band right where it's right. like kind of more middle of the road stuff right. where he was trying to True. for like two yeah. albums I yeah. think yeah. right yeah. Uh, there's okay, a okay. Um, there's a um, 
Blue jeans and moonbeams, and then the one before that is um, unconditionally guaranteed. Unconditionally guaranteed. And you know what? If it weren't Captain Beefheart, they're not terrible records. No, they're not. It's they're because not. people had already decided that he was, you know, something more than that. That right. it was a disappointment. And he, um, you know, the first time I heard Beefheart was I went to the. I had this this odd habit of I would go to the mall and um, buy something that I, I guess I, I don't think I had ever maybe I heard about Frank Zappa but one I ended up with two records I ended up with Uncle Meat by Zappa and the Mothers of Invention I bought, bought at the mall probably in, in, in the mid 70s or the 76 and also Zappa Beefheart Live, Bongo Fury, which is this tour that Frank and and Captain Beefheart Don Van Bleet did together. They hated each other's guts, but um, <laughs> and and but he went on tour and Beefheart sings a, a couple of songs on the record. And when he sings, it's just striking. You're like, wow, the what that there's something that guy has really got something else going on. And then after that, I probably I probably didn't get Trout Mask first. I think the next one I heard, he was on Saturday Night Live, and he played. Really, he Captain was Beefart Captain Beefheart and the Magic Man were on Saturday Night Live. They were, and they oh, were wow. for an uh, an album called Doc at the Radar Station from 1980, and it's um. That's an amazing record. It is. It's very un- uncompromising. Um, it's very the. It's sort of. I don't. The production is kind of. I don't want to. It's like kind of new wave a little bit, but not. It's almost like you know you would think about how Gang of Four Entertainment is produced. It's got kind of that sound where the drums are. You know, everything's pretty much in your face. Right. Not a lot of reverb, and it's got incredible songs on it. So I got that record, and then of course worked. You know, you end up getting Trout Mask Replica and working your way around his catalog. So. Um, and then, you know, Susan, my, my long-suffering wife, for many, many years, hated Trout Mask Replica with a passion. And then somehow she has now become accustomed to Captain Beefheart. And accustomed eat. to it? That's like, isn't that called, isn't that like Stockholm, a form of Stockholm Maybe, Syndrome yeah, or something? Be, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then yesterday we were driving around in the fucking parking lot in in aventura which is this you know shopping trying trying to find you know clothes to we got a trip next week and um like my decals off baby was playing and and smithsonian institute blues was playing and she was listening to the lyrics and she just started busting out laughing she said this is hilarious so she has now crossed the threshold into it into just instead of just uh, it not annoying her. She actually likes it. So it only took um, thirty one. She also years. she also likes you and thinks you're hilarious too. True, Barry, it's so, true. You know, <laughs> you have a you do have a point. All right. So you so Mike. So when did you actually get like this record that we're talking about? Uh, lick my decals off, baby. Like how long after that you discovered? Uh, actually, that this one was really hard to find for a long time, and I didn't get it for many years later. Like Enigma Retro reissued it on on uh, CD like I was working at, I worked at a record store up here for like 15 years Oh, and I remember when they reissued it it was very hard to find his records because they didn't sell yes. you know right. <laughs> and it, and, uh, can't imagine, can't and so finding one. like you know <laughs> copies of that album in particular was right was hard so it wasn't until later on that's when it was sort of like I was like oh okay this record is sort of like the missing link between 
Trout Mask and like the the two records after this, which are a little bit more yes accessible. Still pretty, yeah, they're more accessible. They're really great too, but they're they're definitely um, definitely not as as abstract as, as this. No, one. they're so, not. Yeah, like, I probably about late '80s, probably. So when you got yeah. this record, and did this record also did it like grab you right away? Did you say, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" Like right away? I'm just, I'm just. Rob's wondering. leading yeah, us down I mean, the garden yeah. path. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm I got. I'm I got in. I got into it kind of like a, at that point. I probably did, did had gotten a copy of like Trout Mask or whatever. Yeah, right. Right. Found it. You were a fan. So you were you were a fan already. So it was you like yeah. found this thing, uh, this this other record yeah. that you hadn't heard yet, and you were you were on board with right away with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I, I like him, so I was in, I was into it when I when I got this one. I was definitely like I. I you just know, yeah, this record and, is good. I'm not. I don't think you like the, the thing is I. Uh, me listening to this is honestly the first time I ever listened to Captain Beefheart. Was we I knew we were going to do this, and it's actually it. it I kind of feel bad in a way because it's kind of unfair because we end up we're recording this uh, episode a little early. We're recording right. it on a Monday, which usually we do Wednesday, so I didn't have as much time to listen to it. But I've I've been listening to it. I've yeah. listened to it probably a total of maybe four or five times. Yeah. And like most people, Barry sent me this um, John Peel uh, documentary. And uh, and it's it, a lot of people said something where they would listen to it at first and they hated it, right. and then they would listen to it over and over, and eventually right. they would get it. Would it would click. Yeah, I would say definitely hundred percent. I hated it at first when I listened to it. I just just said, oh my god, this is you know this is going to be hard. <laughs> And, yeah. and then I will say by now, like I'm on my fourth time, I was listening to it driving over here, I appreciate it much more and I sort of feel like I, I get a little more of it, but I still don't know that I enjoy it, that I'm enjoying it. Right. And and I don't know, I just think it's my taste. And it's, and, and the thing is, I like uh, I like weird, harsh, some some weird, harsh, challenging music. I like Perubu. Yeah. I like The Fall, yeah. which which I feel like The Fall definitely, Marky yeah. Smith had to be a fan oh, of this he, guy, yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I like The Fall. I, lo- I like the of butthole surfers yeah sure which sure. are definitely but sure sure something about this and and i but here's think the what thing it, this is the unvarnished version of all of that this right. is the this is like okay you've had the wine cooler <laughs> not, not, but i really like wine coolers better yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this I, is like and even so if you listen to i'm gonna say if you listen to trout mask replica this record is in some ways um, more uncompromising than Trout Mask because Trout Mask is broken up with um, some song, some spoken word things, or some things where it's just him singing, and there's some instrumentals that, and this has instrumentals too. But this is really, if you took Trout Mask replica and like put it in, uh, took it out in the woods and put it in a still, and then made you know basically moonshine out of the corn squeezings of Trout Mask replica you get a a, it's it's sort of the ultimate version of this captain beefheart band you know it's uh it's the it's the it's just sort of a you know a summation of everything he had done from you know 68 or 69 70 71 and then he goes on to do you know the next record is um, spotlight kid he goes on it's much more blues based and so is uh clear spot 
And um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, and I appreciate it. And in, and in seeing the documentary and in reading more about it, I understand that this is like like to the untrained ear, like my ear, listening to it, you could think, oh, it just sounds a bunch of people no, it's jerking around. Yeah, yeah, jerking around. But but <laughs> yeah. I do understand that they didn't. They actually no. rehearsed, and this is how. So this it, it's like we just did our uh, last week. We did the record the. Monochrome said, and John Peel said, uh, in case you're wondering, that's how it was supposed, uh, supposed to sound. To sound. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with this. And, and it, you know what it reminded me of? My, uh, my, my dear friend, the late great Dan Hosker, played, did a couple years stint in the band Harry Pussy. Yeah. And he used to tell me that they rehearsed, uh, and they would rehearse this stuff, and he goes, and Bill Orcutt would be on him to get these parts just right. right. Exactly and it right. sounds just like they're making noise. He said, no, no, but this is all planned out and rehearsed. And it's sort of the same idea. And I guess I could appreciate it, but it's also not like Harry Pussy. I Mike, did you ever, have you ever seen any of the videos that are on YouTube of Harry Pussy playing live? No. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I mean, I know that they're very uncompromising. Yeah, but they- <laughs> you, you need to see, it needs to be seen I think the live the live shows are somewhat you, it's somewhat shocking it is uh, visceral very visceral and it visceral. Adds, it's and all then, part what's of her it, name yeah. of the drummer Adris uh, yeah Adris is Adris off Boyan. the hook insane She's in the behind the drum kit and as a singer you're right and it's something to be seen and experienced is, is yeah yeah so. but not I guess so you can't say but not Captain Beefheart because you get it would whatever they they did would what they put forth you could de- you could definitely tell what what is on here is what they wanted it to be and I, I don't well, know well him it's him it's I him because right. Barry right. now explain to me how the, how he works because that to me is Mike, amazing you know, you know how you know the, the story how he does stuff right yeah well apparently on apparently on like Trout Mask Replica the band lived like a cult yep and he was like a complete and utter tyrant and they had like a subsistence diet beans and they practiced for like 14 hours yep they did <laughs> right and he was and he'd come in there and yell at them and berate them and stuff and <laughs> but that was learning drummer, the, that was like learning the songs but the composition like he would the he composition would, yeah Mike's get, he's yeah. gonna go for that yeah the, the composition okay so the composition on this album is basically based on uh, all based on um, Don Van Vliet you know Captain Beefheart's uh, piano piano playing and uh, he re- they'd record him the tapes and then the guitar player uh, Bill Har- Harkle Road yeah, I think his name right. Zoothorn Rollo maybe yeah that's, yep, that's right um, he was the musical director on this record we're talking about and he would painstakingly uh write this stuff out in musical form and then they'd have to assign, rehearse it yeah, and, assign part, it. and they would assign and that's parts why it's so, yeah that's why it's so insane sounding because <laughs> it's just like you know all transcribed from these like you know piano demo piano which is amazing yeah like th- that. that's amazing to me that they did that that actually that and and knowing that kind of makes me appreciate it all more because you realize that whatever this is all in this guy's head yeah. and this is him getting it yeah, out yeah that's the, the people right. have, people have sometimes they've said oh you know he doesn't have any real you know he can't really play an instrument and that's if it weren't for him it was the force of his his musical um, drive and personality and talent as a 
that made this all happen. Like nothing, none of these guys would ever have done anything like Captain Beefheart right, and the Magic Band. Because they were musicians, maybe, but they weren't art. He was an artist, he and he artist. was. And eventually, he became an artist. He became. He visual. gave up well, music. He was, all, he he was be, always a visual artist. He was right. He sculpting too. He, yeah, he yeah, could have had a. Sculpting. I read yeah, that sure. when he was little, he could have had a sculpture scholarship or course, something. All yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But, but he so got he was into just music. an artist. Okay, so one thing we also didn't mention is that. Um, he grew up in Lancaster, California, and went to high school with Frank Zappa. Frank. Oh, they knew they and they used to ride around. Don's dad had a um, delivered um, ba- stuff for a local bakery, and they would ride around in the oh, right. bread truck I, and I've eat um, the day-old uh, cinnamon <laughs> buns while they were riding around in the in the bread truck in Lancaster. Nice. That sounds good. I could go for. I'd eat a day-old cinnamon bun right yeah, now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. <sure. laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get let's get into this record. Uh, Lick my decals off, baby. It opens up with the title track. Yes. Lick my decals off, baby. Yeah. Rather, and it really, it does have a great opening line. Rather than I want to hold your hand, I want to swallow you whole. <laughs> and I want to lick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's great. So he's uh, dissing the Beatles right from the get-go, right? <laughs> he's starting. He's got a little. Oh, you know dig what? The Beatles. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man, Rather than I want to hold that. your hand. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, you said there's things you never notice, and you look at it one time and you go, "Oh, he's making fun of the Beatles." Right. <laughs> oh, but he great? says, "I want to swallow you whole, and I want to lick you everywhere it's pink, and everywhere you think." Rather than I want to hold your hand, I want to swallow you whole, and I want to lick you everywhere it's pink and everywhere you think. Whole kit caboodle in the kitchen sink. (laughs) Now, he comes out on that that same Letterman interview that you you saw, and he says, because Letterman's asking him about... the video that they did a, a they actually did a, a promotional commercial for um, this album and a video oh, yeah, for this it's really song. strange it's, and he's <laughs> it's disturbing Don's saying oh it's about you know he's trying to say it's about getting rid of labels and so forth yes but, yes but when you read the lyrics of this song it's it, it's about oral it's sex dirty yeah it's, it's it like is. a dirty it's, song right yes. but it's really it's yeah. really dirty <laughs> it is <laughs> I was reading um you know the uh, John French's book, the yeah. drummer Trumbo. Trumbo, and he was talking about this particular song and how like offended he was by the, <laughs> by the lyrical content. <laughs> he really? said to put this out. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty That's much, funny. he just felt like it was so lowbrow. He said, you know, uh, that he, you know, he's sort of like kind of offended as to how kind of pornographic it was. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but no, yeah, know, I think. But, I mean, it, 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 I'm just kind of always amazed that these records ever got released, period. I mean, me too. Yeah. I, compromising that's a, music. Right, right. I was thinking that, and that's kind of, it's kind of sad that I feel like that wouldn't happen today. Like a, a label would, but uh, 70, this is like the 60s and the 70s, they would say, all right, well, this guy's obviously a genius. He's an artist. Let's put out his record, even though well, no one at the label, I couldn't, there couldn't be anyone that would get it or appreciate well, it, right? Frank um, produced Trout Mask. Right, so, right. So that gave him that gave him that that cloud gave him a little exactly. Extra cloud, and right? and uh, Straight Records was an offshoot of Bizarre Records, right? And I think that was Frank's label yeah. that he had with Herb Cohen, which actually right. ended up screwing Beefheart over because there was an album he recorded in '75, a return to form, a, a, a great album. Um, 
that got shelved, and he actually had to re-record the whole thing a few years later because Zappa and Herb Cohen had gotten into an argument and uh, about yeah, that money. was that was but that was bat chain puller. Yes, that's right. Which they reissued. Which of course, after he's dead, they reissued. Of course, yeah, the Zappa family. Or issued it. They, they did right. It never had come out. You, there were bootleg versions of it, but they actually yeah. put it out. So um, yeah, and this it, this song ain't no sing song. It's all about the birds and the bees and where it all went wrong and where it all belongs. And the earth all goes down on their knees looking for a little ease. So yeah, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He, he equivocates later on about it, but it's it's a dirty song. And yeah, because the next line is she stuck out her tongue in the fun yeah. gun. So. Um, yeah, yeah. And then he alludes that. that he's doing his doing his laundry while all this. That's right. And she stuck it out at me, and I just thumbed my nose and went on washing my clothes. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, you know they put this first, so they didn't put right. one of the the songs because some of the songs have a more uh, um, you can sort of tell more what he's um, talking about in some of the other songs if you decipher a little bit. Right. But um, this is just a dirty. Starts it out with dirty a dirty. Song. Uh, yeah. Dirty right. Song. Now he likes oral sex, and he's going to tell you all about it. And now, <laughs> and now we go into Doctor Dark. Now, what's he talking about in Doctor Dark? It's a scary song, man. The lyrics to this are dark. I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like nightmare imagery. Yeah, yeah. A black leather yeah, it's lady. Yeah, kind of demonic Lord. sounding. It yeah. is. And yeah. it's got. I, I like how it's these get the horse clipping, clipping clapping, clapping, and the uh, percussion in it sounds like a horse, yeah, like a horse clip yeah. clapping. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is horse good. I like that. Mom Mama, mama, here comes Dr. Dark, horse clipping, clapping, and his old hooves making sparks. Black leather lady, lady lord, carry the bags, the hell horn, hell horn, hell horn. It's a very good Captain Beefheart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a lot of, he has a lot of repeating lyrical motifs in his songs. Yes, like, yes, he does. So it's sort period, of, a lot of stuff. Sort of to like hammer it in, right? Yeah, and like, uh, you know, the moon and like, I mean, I guess because he was living in the desert. That's yep. always kind of colored as yep. his lyrical content, and it's just that the imagery is just always like very stark in these songs. Yes, very, there's a I great there's a great deal of Americana, like and sort of yeah. uh, old Americana that you know 18, yes. 19th century that comes up in yeah. these songs. He has a fascination with that, and we should mention that. So in about so in 1967, he put out an album called Safe as Milk. Which um, first one? That's the first record, right? First album, yeah. yeah. And um, it's a great record. It's um, got some psychedelic stuff. It's got some blues stuff. But um, he and then there's a John Lennon's. There's a picture with John Lennon has a on John Lennon's drug cabinet has a sticker, the Safe as Milk sticker on it from the album. So he had definitely heard it. And then Don took a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of LSD. And so did he? Because I've read things that he said he wasn't a big lies, drug guy. Bullshit, lies. I was wondering that because <laughs> Zappa wasn't right. Zappa, Zappa wasn't a was drug not, guy. No, but right, but this guy was. Okay. Don took a lot of LSD, and in fact, um, there's an interview in that um, in that documentary that Don, which you can watch online, and I would encourage everybody to watch because it's great. Uh, the John Peel documentary. Um, and where they're interviewing Ry Cooter, the guitar player. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. He tells a couple of stories. One is during their court. They brought Ry in to kind of try to... Harn- to kind of like harness everything. Bring it all together. together right, yeah, bring yeah, in this like, good pro guitar player so to sort of make sense of everything. Ry, Ry comes into the studio, and he's standing there, and um, Doug Moon, one of the guitar players at the time, 
walks out of the control room holding a, a loaded um, crossbow yes. aimed, <laughs> aimed right at Don. I mean, and we should also mention that he was known for being incredibly difficult to deal with, an incredibly difficult personality and to deal with. So, And so he's got this crossbow aimed right at Captain Beefheart at Don. And he just looks. He just looks at him. And he goes, "Doug, put that goddamn thing down." And, and he just Doug just like sort of turns around and stalks off. But he so he took so much LSD though that he start. There was a live. There was this live show, and Ry Cooter's there, and Don actually walks right off the stage, just falls right off. Oh the right, stage yeah, yeah. He tells that story. Yeah. He said, "I'm out." Yeah, and he said that was when he left. He said, "Okay." Yeah, and so the, the the opening track of their next album. Um, uh, strictly personal is um, I, it's called I Feel Like I Sid A-H-C-I-D and it's a blues song like a sun, sun house blues song except the lyrics are about specifically and taking LSD there's no ifs ands or buts about it. so Don made a lot of noise about oh, I, you know, I smoked a reefer one it made me feel like my you know my legs were stuck in sugar or something but he he well, he, from what I've read about him, he definitely was did a lot of self mythologizing himself because he, he, he yeah. likes to tell a story oh, yeah, about he, like, he could remember when he was born and the nurse yeah, slapped yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> shit, about, shit about he dropped out of school when he was in kindergarten. I mean, just it's right. just not, it's just yeah, not yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, there's <laughs> photos of him and there's like photos of him from like his high school yearbook. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's take a little uh, little break. We're about halfway through. Uh, let's take a break and we will come back. With that, record got me high, and we're talking to Mike Coleman. We're talking about Captain Beefheart, and we'll be back in a minute. That record got me high is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow is a weekly web comic available at isthistomorrow.com. That record got me high, and Is This Tomorrow? Bring you Captain Beefheart. Uh, well, let's talk about your music. You were the first person to actually record a video, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. How long ago was that? I think that was uh, about 72. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the song for which you recorded the Lick video? Lick My Decals Off Baby. Lick Meaning my... get rid of the labels, children coming. Lick My no, Decals Not uh, nasty things like they thought. Yeah. Uh, now this uh, uh, a nasty thing. <laughs> you, you were ahead of, of uh, the rest of the music world, and your this video is now in a museum, isn't it? Yeah, modern art. Yeah. Yeah. M O M A. Yeah. Yeah. Now we. <laughs> I think that's it, Mom's yeah. Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now we have we have a, a more current video from. Uh, I just wait we're going to do that. Okay, that's right. And my wife. All right, we're yeah. going to pause here. Uh, we'll be back with Captain Beefheart and oh, many more hat sizes. So come on back. Get back in this? Sure. Yeah, man. All right, let's do it. We got a, we got a lot to cover. We're back. That record got me high. That's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. We're talking to Mike Coleman, 
of uh, he just told me he plays in like eight eight bands up in Tallahassee now. Uh, <laughs> yes, a lot of I'm a fool. I'm a fool. <laughs> yes, you are. You're crazy. All right, and we're talking about lick my decals off, baby. And now we're up to song number three, which is something I probably our, our wives have said to us at times. That's right. <laughs> I love you, you big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an this song. This is the first. I will say this is the first one that kind of grew on me a little after like my third time through the record. This one because it's catchy. Some the thing about some of these songs are they're uh, deceptively catchy. Like definitely mm-hmm. it's not something that I'll grab onto right away and say, oh that's a hook. Uh-huh. But then uh, yeah, this one definitely, especially the distorted. This has got the harmonica, a distorted right. harmonica, which yeah. I guess is him, right? It is. Which yeah. he play? Yeah, which he plays through the whole song. I was I gonna mean, say the harmonica kind of drives. Yeah, it kind of drives the song, which is kind of unusual, right? Uh, Yeah, and it also has that weird trademark vocal thing he liked to do a lot, which is that weird whooping. Oh, man, he does that. That is so weird. We haven't mentioned how many people were influenced by him, but Tom, we have to say Tom Waits. Yeah. Right. 100%, absolutely. Yeah. Especially on this song in particular, at the end he's doing the woo-woo, he's doing those high-pitched woos, yeah. and yeah. it sounds like Tom Waits said, oh, I'm going to sing like that. You yeah. know, you heard that. He well, said, I'm apparently like Tom, that. La- Tom Waits' early career, you know, Nighthawks at the Diner and, and, and those records, he had not heard Captain Beefheart. And then he... Maybe uh, someone told him, hey, you know you sound like Captain Beefheart. I don't Beefheart. know. And then he heard Beefheart, and he made... Um, Swordfish trombones. That was like it changed his career. It changed. Oh, right. It turned. It was like, oh, this is amazing, and I, I kind of want to sound more like this. Right, right, right. So, so oh, did he did he blow his voice out too, or is that just kind of myth? Tom waits. Yeah, he kind of because I mean his early records, his voice is pretty smooth. You know, I don't know the answer to that question. I thought I heard some story that he was touring and he just blew it out, and that you know that, but. Who knows? That could just be myth. Right, you know? right, right. Well, this this thing, interesting thing about "I Love You, Big Dummy," is that he starts to get um, more um, metaphysical in this one, and because he says, "I love you, you big dummy. I love you, you big butt dummy. Nobody has love. Love has no body. I love you, you big dummy." And what he's saying is. Love is not a thing. It's not like you can't have, you can't, you can't grab love. You can't, it's not, it's like, uh, it's uh, a verb. Right. And and so. um, Love love has no body. No body. Right. But I I also feel like I noticed a lot in there. He likes to play around with phrases and words and sort of have full meaning. Because, yeah, you uh, take it at nobody. Love has nobody or love love has has no body. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. He's big on that. Um, And then he says, breathe deep, breathe high, breathe life. I don't breathe a lie. So he's saying, you know, honest. He's like presenting this without any sort of equivocation, you know. Um, and and what's his personal? Do you guys know anything about his personal life? Like, did did, did he have a wife? Did he get married? Yeah, yeah I think apparently at this time, like he was like madly in love with his with his, you know, girlfriend, fiance, or or he just got married or whatever. Right, yeah. right. And, and they, they stayed and married. They stayed together till his death. So. Oh wow! Jan, Look at Jan, that. Jan, Jan so Van I think Lee, that yeah. informed some of this record. Good for you, Captain Beefheart. Yeah. <laughs> And they, uh, yeah, she was, he had a, he had, he met Jan and that was it, you know, she, um, oh, nice. um, and then magazine did a cover of this song. 
Did it? Re- did they really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, oh, we're gonna have to. I mean, we're gonna have to post a video a thing of them doing it. Yeah, That's I think great. it's on um, the one after um, McGeek left. I think it's on. Uh, I cannot picture. This is not the song I would picture magazine covering on you know, this record. You know, Howard Devoto, the hip guy. You know, right, right. he's uh, um, and just not that this song though. I don't know. I should also mention that Captain Beefheart hated their cover of it. In fact, he hated. <laughs> what a shocker, right? He hated anyone's attempt to do his songs. I, I believe that. Um, yeah, he I was. Uh, 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 he felt like because what he would do was, you know, he felt like these were like. When he had done a, a, a song, it was like like a, a painting, like a Picasso painting, or like a where you would say, you know, this is okay. It's so when we play it live, basically you're 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 painting this same painting for people. Right. It's not like a vehicle for improvisation. <laughs> right. Or right. I mean, that just wasn't what it was for or him. Interpret it for someone else to interpret it differently. N- yeah. Not really. No. That. No, that was not his thing at all. All right. So let's get. Yeah. He took. He took real. He took real. Uh, offense to his own musicians like interpreting <laughs> them even slightly different from what he wanted uh like i saw this interview where he basically said you know don't you th-, he's like don't you think that you know stravinsky would be upset if someone bent a note <laughs> different it's like wow you're that's funny really very modest <laughs> well but, yeah, uh, right but but, but, yeah, but he has a point also right at it yeah yeah and you kind of have to wonder it's like for a guy to have that kind of creative impulse that and to, and for these musicians to kind of suffer the yeah. abuse that they did, yeah. that they stuck with it, that they believed yeah. that strongly in what they were doing, right, yeah. right, that right. you know that says a lot about his uh, creative drive and his yeah, you it, know, it, it uh, does, it does, because they're all they're all very good musicians, as you could hear, especially all right. So the fourth song we get to one of the first instrumentals, and there's but like four instrumentals on right. this, which I really enjoy. I really, I really enjoy the instrumentals on these as kind of like interludes in yeah, the record sure. and um but i was wondering so did he write like did he write this on piano and then it was transposed yeah. into the guitar and bit that's amazing to me because it's yeah. so you know it sounds almost improvised like someone uh, no it's really really hard to play but they're so they're playing together so tight they are and it's vaguely to me this one especially is vaguely unsettling a little but it's beautiful it's also kind of beautiful i really like but they're 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 genuinely difficult things to play right right so they're and the way he wanted them played was in this very percussive or almost um non pretty way so the guitars are the strings are plucked really hard and yes yeah yeah and, right so there's a little uh, buzz in them and they're playing with now let me ask you something it's called peon do you think he's saying he's, the guys that are playing this are peons i don't think so no <laughs> no i don't think that but i will i will bring up a quote there's a um it may be in that john peel documentary but there's an interview with um one of the original mothers of invention jimmy carl black who was the drummer for uh, the original Mothers? And he goes, you know, when we played with Frank, you know, the Mothers, that was pretty great. And that we, you know, and, but let me tell you something, Captain Beefheart, that was the real deal. And oh, he right, looks right, right in the I camera. Yeah, yeah, and that was. So you go, okay. There were people that understood, and Brian Eno was a huge Captain Beefheart fan. Um, Andy Partridge from from XCC, yeah, they did mention that. Huge Captain Beefheart fan, fan, which is really um, yeah. 
and uh, and Barry Stock and Mike Coleman are big uh, indeed, huge fans too. Indeed. So there you go. You have the whole gamut of. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we get to song number five, Bellerin Plain, which this song is very abstract. The lyrics are very abstract. They feel like a stream of consciousness poem. I have no idea what the fuck is going well, on in this. Well, yeah, it's, a weird, it's weird. He's Again, he's got like all that weird sort of like old America, Western image yeah, in there. Yeah, right. A bunch of stuff about trains and all this stuff. And he keeps talking about pair of pliers. Yes, pair of pliers. He's that, and apparently a pair of pliers and what he was apparently referencing was women who wrap their legs tightly around a dude. Really? Oh. oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that gives that's, it what I, that's what... That's what I. That's what I heard. You know how true that is. I don't know, but that's because. Yeah, you know, well, you know, maybe but, the song was originally going to be called that or something. Uh, Do you know that? That sounds because all the old believe all the old blues lyrics are they're just rife with 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 innuendo. Oh, yeah. very sexual and innuendo, yeah, sexual. and code and code. You know, my rider. There's not. You're not. It's never when you're talking about when the blues guys talking about a rider. It's never a horse. It's always a woman that he's having sex with. Right. And you know they always and even. Uh, you know, they talk about color and high yellow, high, high, high you know, she brown, she, you know, it, there's always all of those things in there. So he's doing the same things, right. pair of pliers, huh? And and the way he's, uh, he's singing, he's not really singing, it's, be, it's almost like rap to me. It's almost like a rap thing. And also, I was thinking I could picture Marky Smith singing this song, like saying oh, the yeah. words in this, right? Yeah, definitely. So Marky uh, Smith definitely Captain B. Farmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I got that just listening to Now, but then... Pair of pliers, the willow dipped, rolled roots, gnarled like rakers. This hollow hold don't hold no jokers or fakers. Don't fall by no jokers or fakers. Now, what he's sounding like there is almost like a Pentecostal preacher up on the pulpit saying, oh, you know, right, God right, don't right. have, you know, there ain't yeah. no so forth in heaven, so on. Pull her down to the stirring hay acres. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope you guys can hear Barry's cat uh, desperately yeah, trying can, to, can you, can you all hear, I hope our mics are picking up Barry's cat. Are, yeah. Desperately trying to get to into his wife, bed, Susan, that's in sitting the in the other room. Susan, let the, let the goddamn cat in. She had a wine in there. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's also weird that uh, this song has got like a super, like, kind of, I don't know, kind of nutty bass solo. On <laughs> oh, yeah, right. In the middle, all of a sudden, and like, it, yeah, bass then, solo. And just the, that's one of the things we were talking about. Like, the tonality, I don't know if that's the right term, of the instruments yes. on this record. Like, Barry was talking about the guitar sounding so kind of like... They're real twangy and kind of thin and abrasive, and then like yeah, yeah, the like a little harsh, this yeah. weird kind of floppy, <laughs> right, flapping weird tone, and then the drums are always like really clattering. Yes, yes, yes. Like, that's a very that good a descriptive word for the drums, definitely. Well, there's it's a live video, flattering. yeah, of them playing this song in '71, Detroit Tube Works, and the bass player is playing in one vi- this this song. He's playing an, like a double necked. Dan Electro, which is a cheap, yeah, a cheap I've seen that, yeah. and he's playing. It's got flat wound strings on it. I'm sure of it. So, yeah. the, so every, he's just going at it. He's just going at it. He's playing the notes, but it does have that. It has this intentionally non-pleasing sound. Yeah, like 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 thin. So he has to pluck them really hard to get the sound out of them. Yeah. That's exactly right. No, <laughs> right. right. And very, not yeah, like, it's almost. 
Yeah, it's almost, almost like, like an, just uh, playing a, a double uh, bass, like electric, really or playing an electric guitar that's not plugged into the amp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. He had definite that ideas. Sounds like some shit that that guy'd make his band do. It right, does. Right, he right. definitely had ideas about how not only the notes, but how he wanted them played and how he wanted them to sound because his bands did sound like that. Uh, and um, he, he, somebody's telling him to do that. They, they're not getting because a guitar player left to his own devices. You know, here comes the distortion box and the phaser and the compressor, and right off you go. All right, now I will say also in this song, it's got marimba, which marimba comes in a lot on this. And and real quick side note, it says is the is the guy that played marimba on this is his name really Ed marimba because that's what it says no. on wikipedia it's, <laughs> it says uh, it's art, art it's art trip but i guess they, trip. but he they called him ed marimba oh. okay his name's art trip yeah, he, gave yeah. him, he had names you know for everybody zoothorn roll right. right. winged eel fingerling but that's another thing that turns me off because i when i hear that marimba i think of zappa frank zappa and i uh, don't yeah. like i dislike a lot of that uh, that uh, marimba yeah. sound and so when i hear it it's kind of triggers me yeah i was wondering because um zappa actually started using the marimba stuff Long before Don did. And oh, really? Hard did, yeah. And I kind of think that that is something that he might have picked up from picked Zappa. Up, from Zappa, from little, Zappa. Okay. yeah, for sure. Oh, he would probably hate you for saying that. Good thing he's dead. Well, they had a... No. I mean, Zappa... <laughs> there's a story about um, when they were trying to put together that final album, uh, uh, um, uh, Ice Cream for Crow, there were some... The songs that... On that record that didn't come out... Um, uh, Gary Lucas and Don went. Zappa was in the middle of conducting an orchestra, some orchestral thing, and they went to him and they said, "Frank, we we need a couple of songs to finish off this record, and then we'll, we'll be done. This is his last album. Can you give us those two songs off of uh, off of uh, um, what's the album called, Mike? Bat Chain Puller. Bat Chain Puller. And Zappa was like, "No." <laughs> so they they they. They hated each other for and because Frank was an asshole and Don was insane and probably and you know yeah. kind of a jerk to his musicians. Um, yeah. Well, well you, that's that's the thing about apparently uh, this album ended up with two drummers on it. Originally, you know, he had fired uh, Drumbo after the Trout Mass touring and all that. Or yeah, but he fired him. How did he fire him? What was the method he fired he threw him? threw him down a flight of stairs. Oh, right. Yes. John John French, right? That's yeah, correct. Yeah. But yeah. then he ended he up, but he came back for this record. Well, the, he, 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 sent the band, he sent the guys out to kind of recruit him and say, Don wants to talk to you. This is what I'm reading yes. in this book. But, you know, he didn't even, I don't think he even knew that this other drummer was involved. So when he gets there, you know, Art Trip, you know, is already buying the skin. So they end up working a lot of this together. So, which um, gives it an incredible sound. You got two drummers playing does, on some of this that stuff. Was the thing. Apparently, apparently, he wanted to use the marimba on this record more instead of like two guitar players that he felt like it would clean up the sound a little bit more. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of does. I mean, just the, I mean, just how tight the guitar and the marimba play together is just. Yeah, kind well, of incredible on this record. It, it, it is, but this record is also recorded better than Trout Mask Replica, and the reason for that is um, they recorded originally Trout Mask Replica, the, the album before this, a double album. They recorded the entire thing at the house where they had been rehearsing it. Right, Frank Zappa basically live. They played everything just about live. They right? did, and then 
the the recordings from that are on a thing called uh, are on an outtakes box set uh, uh, of um, Beef Heart. Yeah, it's called Grow Fans. That's right, and they sound great. They're recorded like wow, this sounds really well recorded. No, Don got mad at Frank because he thought Frank was being cheap to record it at the house, that he was skimping out on Don. So Don insisted on going to a recording studio. So they went to a recording studio and recorded the, the album. And the tracks are exactly the same, except they don't sound as good. They sound <laughs> they sound thinner, and Trot Mask has a, more, a thinner and more cardboardy sound. So he was a nut. He was a fucking nut. He was a nut and he sang Woe is a Mebop, which is the next song. Woe is a Mebop. I'm drop yeah. a rebop on. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. He really. Please don't let them ruin it. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, this seems like a real attempt at some kind of like weird little blues song or whatever. Yeah. Don't really, I can't attest to what the lyrics are really. Woe is a Mebop. I, I have a theory. Okay, my theory about Woe is a Mebop is that oh everybody's doing it please don't let them ruin it ohm the reason he says ohm at the end of that is that's what he's talking about is that during that period everybody was into like TM and transcendental right, meditation right, yeah. and oh right, right and he's saying what he's and my take on it is you know he's tuned in like Don is like tuned into the universe in some special way and he's afraid that all of these fuckers doing their ohm chanting are somehow going to screw up like the spiritual plane and he's uh, and uh, and and ruin things uh in some or do you way think maybe he just you know he kind of had this sort of like distrust of that whole kind of hippie thing. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And, and like, you know, just sees it as like, you know... That, exactly. Well, that was, that, was a, that was a Frank Zappa thing, too, right? Him and Frank, yeah, oh, they yeah, didn't yeah. really, they didn't care yeah. for the hippies too no, much. No, they didn't. Well, they saw through the, they saw, you know, and look what the hippies did. The hippies became the baby boomers, which, what, what did they give us? They they gave birth to uh, what we got going on right now. Oh, don't, don't attack the baby boomers <laughs> too, too bad. I'm a baby boomer. Just barely. Just barely. No, you're not real. Yeah, you're not real. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, we get to Japan, the the second instrumental. This is actually my least favorite instrumental, Japan in a dishpan. Just because it's so so goddamn weird and just like. Um, You know, when I hear hear this song, the sax playing on it. it, You love it or hate it? Barry says, oh, like he loves it. Albert, Albert Eiler, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it totally does. It's got that weird kind of like. And uh, who is that? Is that like some jazz, jazz player? Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, almost like a almost like a uh, bugle call kind of thing. But then of course it gets into like it starts scronking out all over the place. Well, he does because he does. He listens <laughs> kind of like Pharaoh Sanders or, or Eric Dolphy. Like he listens to. Yeah. Like, well, that's I don't know sick. what you guys are talking well, it's about. Was jazz? But I mean, it's so funny because when you said when you said the song and then Barry went oh and I went oh Barry's oh was oh yeah I love that my oh was oh my god I hated that. I mean it, Don can't really like if you said that Don play you know he used to make fun of he said you know. Um, some like take you know go back to Saint you know Saint Louis Blues or something like that. Um, he can't do that. He wasn't interested in that, right? Yeah, he wasn't. Well, he interested can't in play, he can play harmonica like for real, like, like he, Rat. That's like Rat sort of like Rat. Could, everyone says Rat could play like regular guitar really good, but he has no interest in it. Right, he doesn't. <laughs> so he plays saxophone, and it sounds like these guys he listened to. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, Albert Eiler and and Pharaoh uh, uh, um, Sanders and Eric Dolphy, who are. 
They were they were free jazz, and they were like doing like it was like a modernist painting with the saxophone. Right. Um, and do you know? Okay, Japan and a dishpan. Have you sorted out where the title might have come from? No. Okay, Mike. You know, everybody. We all remember when before things were made in China, before things were made in Indonesia and Korea. Everything was made in made in Japan. Yeah. So Japan, if you, yeah. you you have a you bought a dishpan and you look down in it and what does it say in the bottom of the dishpan? Oh, dish Japan in a dishpan. Yeah. Made in Japan. So right. Japan in a dishpan. That's pan. good. Yeah, that's probably right. I like that. All right. So we flip the record. <laughs> we flip the record over, and I I want to find a woman that'll hold my big toe till I have to go. And this also is a thing I don't that I know. Uh, automatically say oh that's funny that's funny but to me it's not funny it's like the that that sort of middle school frank zappa like oh i want to want to find a woman to hold my big toe till i have to go it's like i don't know i just don't i don't get the humor in it i know really into sweet potatoes on this yeah i know and it's like talking about i mean uh, well i think the sweet potatoes are boobs yeah oh yeah definitely i got that too i got that too yeah because them yams have all them eyes but it's not that i don't think it's not that clever it's kind of like you know the sophomoric a little right down yonder below the ground and their golden hair is a dirty brown yeah it's another sex song um, it's so a, yeah it's a sophomoric sex sex song so i don't know but, i just don't I, but it it's also um absurdist it's like absurdist humor <laughs> it is absurdist right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i want to find a blue swirl plastic ocarina about five miles long um and it's just, it is absurdist, and I gotta say that's kind of. I mean, I, I understand where Rob's coming from on this, and but at the same time, it's like that's kind of what um, you know. When I was a teenager, this was so far, you know, this this kind of shit was so far out of left field that yes, right. I was just like, I can't believe a guy would put this on an right. album. And, and your mom, yes, and this I is why mean, your poor mom ironing all your goddamn clothes hated it, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like her opinion on what. What song she hates worse? <laughs> this one. I want to hold. I want to find a woman to hold my big toe, or Bob Seger's her strut. <laughs> Let's hope she picks well, because they both be playing out of my room. Uh, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, poor mom. I feel yeah. bad. I don't even know your mom, and I feel sorry for her, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Petrified Forest. Uh, this one, actually, uh, I, I, I like this one. Cause, and you know what? This song, I also heard, Barry, uh, there's a chord and a sound that reminded yeah. me of Mission of Burma. Oh, and I'll yeah. bet uh, yes. Roger, Miller, Roger Miller's probably uh, sure. Captain Beefheart well, fan, well, I right? I thought the Definitely. same thing. D- yes. Did you really, right? You hear that? Yes. You hear that Mission of Burma at the beginning yeah. of this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, God, what, what Mission of Burma song is... Uh, um, uh, Peking Spring, maybe? Wait. Yeah, it's something like that, or there's another one that's like a, got a slower... Yeah. Einstein's Day, Einstein's core. Day, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I I love Mission to Burma. But, I mean, but yes, Burma. I, I thought the same thing when right. I was listening back to this record, I picked that out, and that, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, oh no, no, I, I wouldn't either, I wouldn't either, I, I would bet Roger Miller, Miller was weird a fan. stuff he played in, you know, bird songs he had the Mesozoic, I would say he's listened, definitely heard people. So this is an environmental poem-like, and it's an environmental type thing, right? It's about oil industry. Yeah, yeah. Breathe life into the dead dinosaurs. Let the past demons rear up their heads and belch fire in the air of now. Right, the oil industry. That's that's right. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the whole second side of this 
this record is environmental. More and, yeah, it's he definitely was had environmental concerns, and you wonder if the record company kind of sequenced it so it's like, we'll put the sex stuff on side one, and then we'll put the, you know. <laughs> and I enjoy. I will say I enjoyed the second part of the record more than the first. Me personally, yeah. Like I was start. It was getting. It was. It was getting on me a little more. Yeah. See, the sex stuff doesn't bother me because it's just. It's just. He's just being honest about you know, and there's songs on other his other records that the same thing where he sort of discusses his proclivities, but um, <laughs> sweet potato boobs and things like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, it was soon it will fray and will drop dead into yesterday. Must the breathing pay for those who breathe in and don't breathe out? Um, these are good lyrics. These are really good lyrics. Yeah, I yeah. like these lyrics. No yeah, he says, like, no flower shall grow where the oil shall flow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely reading things or hearing things about... Like a hippie. Sounds kind of like a hippie Well, that's here. the thing. It's true. <laughs> right? That is true. But the way he expresses it... Um, in, not, in this not so hippie-ish. No, with right. the fact that he's talking about dinosaurs being brought back to life through the petroleum that's being... Their, their, you know, their yeah. remains being sucked out of the ground... If the dinosaur cries with blood in his eyes and our ba- eats our babies for our lies, belches fire in our skies, maybe I'll die, but he'll be rumbling through your petrified forest. So he yeah, didn't let that's up. good. Yeah. Good like song. Uh, and now we get to another instrumental. This one I really like. This is my favorite instrumental, actually. Uh, one Red Rose That I Mean. Yeah. Uh, that's even a great yeah, title. It's beautiful. One red, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It's it's like intricate and it's really pretty and uh it's it's now Barry, let me ask you, this is not like a standard tuning guitar. Right? I don't think so. Right? I didn't he think uses so. some he is guitarist use some different tunings and there's you know, you if you wanna like there was when he went to put together his band for uh, um Doc at the radar station, the one guy, one of the guitar players, um Basically, had had said he had learned how to play drop mask replica all the parts, like start to finish, and so he could sit down and play that entire record. Wow! And, and so you go, okay, that's the kind of people that like that's you know that you have to be to be in his band. You have to be someone who's willing to right really go for it. Yeah. And uh, not, neither Mike Coleman nor I were in that caliber. Of, um, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are both pretty good guitar players. I, I've, I've never, you know, the, I, I read. I could never even. Nah. You try did. To play you did uh, that um, Aquafly stuff, though. You learned that Aquafly stuff. That was and, pretty, that was, and you did a really hard. good job. It and was that, hard. Yeah, it I was think difficult. you could do it, Barry. If, you, if I don't why, sit, why would you though? Why do you need? Well, to? if you want to sit down, the thing is, like, it's it's basically you say I'm not gonna. It's like this podcast. You say basically I'm not gonna listen to anything else except. Yeah, I gotta commit. I gotta make a commitment. commitment. Yeah, and so okay, I'm gonna commitment. learn how to play this beef heart record. <laughs> it's not just like, eh, you know, I'm gonna learn how to play some kiss songs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's get. That would be a lot easier. I refer to this next one as the broom song, the uh, buggy boogie woogie. Yep. Because this has got the broom in it. And that's actually genius yep. the way they use it. Because those are, they're actually using brooms, right? For that, yes. sounds like a shuffling, like. Oh, uh, oh really? Oh, I haven't yeah, thought of that. They're yeah. Well, they're credited as oh, I in brooms. That. Yeah, they, they, they actually brooms. are playing brooms. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> what this Both girl them. needs now is a good $2 broom and a good $2 broom. And <laughs> he says that a lot. Yes. And he's because. referring, he's also talking about too many feet. I think he's referring to trying to sweep spiders out or something. I think it's overpopulation. Oh, right. Buggy, wuggy, boogie, sweeps me off my feet. What this world needs is a good retreat. Um, yeah. 
one day I was sweeping down by the wall and I, I bumped a mama spider and the babies began to fall off of my broom. Now I gotta keep sweeping and sweeping before they fill the room. Um, I gotta keep sweeping and sweeping. Seems like I could keep sweeping and sweep, sweeping and sweeping, and there's still too many feet. So that was my guess. Was it's over, it's like the world's getting more and more crowded, and this is like you know the, his character is like uh, death. Basically, I gotta keep sweeping those feet. Right? Does that seem possibly legit interpretation? I mean, it could be, yeah. Now that I could be totally know. wrong. I, I, you know what? He's not but around. But it's plausible. <laughs> it's plausible, Barry. Or it could it's really be though, keeping because the record has this kind of environmental. You know, that could have been where his concerns coming from. Yeah, it really does. It definitely like has. Yeah, yeah, it has like a little uh, environmental scene. Or it could be totally 100% literal, and he's just hallucinating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With a broom, and he's really just thinking yeah. about it. Took some acid and was staring at a broom for like two Captain's hours. Captain's covered in spiders. Yeah, exactly right. Right. Exactly. All right, so we get to the song that cracked uh, Susan up, the Smithsonian Institute Blues, or the Big Dig. And they're talking about the Big Dig here. Yeah. Which, uh, come on down to the Big Dig, come on down to the Big Dig, singing the Smithsonian Smithsonian (laughs) Institute Blues. The way it's going, La Brea Tar Pits, I know you just can't lose. The The new new dinosaur is walking in the old old one's shoes. So he's sort of, I feel like he's doing two things, right? He's talking about the La Brea Tar Pits and the dinosaurs, but he's also talking about the new, like, sort of, uh, the new avant music replacing the dinosaur. You you could be right, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. What do you think, Mike? There's that, or he could just be talking about how the current, uh, you know, population of, you know, human beings could also are walking in right, the right, right. You know, same destructive path. Right. Yeah. And they're going to end up. In the pit. the same. Yeah, I think that's it. I right. think that. But he actually, so he actually was from Los Angeles and he grew up around this yeah. La Brea. And I will say, my daughter now, my daughter Samantha, lives right across the street from the La Brea Tar Pits. And we, last time we oh, went wow. there, we visited. And they're still there and they're still digging. <laughs> they're really? still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they're still digging. They have these giant, uh, uh, like, uh, they, they scoop up these giant, uh, uh, Boxes full of stuff, and they meticulously go through everything and dig through everything. And they're still wow. doing it now. Yeah, the La Brea Tar Pits. And he also references a, a dinosaur in here because he, he does dinosaur yeah. shoes. And did you guys watch a, a dinosaur show? You remember the dinosaur show? Yeah, <laughs> Dinah. This is Dinah because actually I looked it up. The, the dinosaur show was actually like in the 50s, but then she came back. Uh, Dinah in the 70s she had a show called yeah, Dinah yeah I, I remember that a, show with an exclamation point and she used to have bands on it too right yeah, Iggy Z- Iggy's on there and <laughs> both with Dinah, Dinah playing right. piano yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, Iggy sits down and is like chatting with Dinah Shore like and being very you know polite and seriously yes you know, she was yes, awesome I love Dinah doing, being, uh, after school we used to watch that it was on after school all right, so uh, we get to uh, this is one of my favorite songs on the record, uh, "Space Age Couple." <laughs> I, I like this song, and this song's got really tricky uh, uh, a percussion. Yeah. On this one, like the tricky percussion, and but the the lyrics in this, this is something that's very another. Space we always talk about songs that felt like they could have been written last week. Yeah, but now, Mike, what do you think the magic muscle is? He says, "Space Age Couple." Why don't you flex, flex your, your magic, magic muscle? muscle. 
I don't, I don't know. Why do you have I mean, a muscle? Why don't you? I mean, I love I, I, well, the way I see it is like he's talking about. He's talking about. Doesn't he say something in there about that they should cultivate the ground because they're the only ones around? Yeah, right. right so it's right. an indictment. I mean, essentially, what he's saying is like the 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 the, the, the earth has been somewhat. I don't know. This may be a reach, but the earth in some kind of. Uh, Dire condition and yeah yeah no yeah, no I, I agree they, that they that they can somehow by you know he's like okay, like space, right, like yeah, okay. they're greed yeah I feel like it's an indictment of greed at the expense of the planet yeah hold that's a, what he's saying because he's hold, saying, a, hold a drinking glass up to your eye after you've scooped up a little of the sky and it ain't blue no more what's on the leaves ain't do no more exactly so, yeah so uh, I just wondered if the magic muscle was. Like, I, I had a picture of, like, you know, he looked at a cover of a magazine, and there's, like, a hip. You know how that, like, ma- ma- like young couple on the cover of a magazine. Right. And that triggered him to, to say, oh, you know, space-age couple. <laughs> yeah, because oh, right, right. he says it very, he says it in a very kind of con- condemning tone. He's like, <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. He's not a couple, fan. He's like, why yeah, he's don't you fan. just do that? You know, why <laughs> yes, yes, do right. That? Exactly. And and Mike, also, you were saying about the way he uh, repeats things over and over. And, and, you know, I was saying that he likes to play with phrases. Did you notice when he says, what's on the leaves ain't do no more? He says that a lot. What's on the leaves ain't do no more. That sounds like what's on the lease ain't do no more. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm you listening to what? it, I'm thinking yeah, it sounds like what's on what? the lease ain't do no more. He was very, very smart guy. That's really clever. He's yeah, a very, yeah. yeah, no, he was. That bastard. Way into wordplay. Yeah, yeah, was, right. That's a total wordplay word thing. And yeah. in, a, in a really, um, in a way that sometimes, you know, I never noticed a thing about. Um, I want to hold your hand, by the way. I want to hold your hand. I never thought about the Beatles at all. Right. But he definitely was. Now that you mention it. 100% he 100%, was thinking about the Beatles, yeah. yeah. All right, so now we get to the clouds are full of wine, not whiskey or rye. <laughs> and it's, uh... The way he sings this song is so disturbing. To it me. is. I, you know what, he, Mike? He, he just keeps getting more and more, like, unhinged. <laughs> I wrote on the note, uh, my notes, that this song gives me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he, he, he starts stretching the words out and, like, kind of starts kind of wavering in his voice. And yeah, yeah. Off. Very, very off-putting. It is, right, exactly. It gives me anxiety. Well, and the, the clouds are full of wine, not whiskey or rye, and the sky is full of blue brains, blue jays, mermaids, blue jays, mermaids, <laughs> and he, it's intense and weird and yeah un- and the way the way you're doing the way he does that little melodic thing that's very important to the song it, yes it, it actually is. is it's very and, uh, because yeah. it's not a rock and roll song it's, no it's like a um <laughs> it would be like a nursery rhyme or a sea chanty like a sea chanty yeah yeah, yeah 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 um and my eyes are full of blood bones, snow cones, serenaders, and senoritas, and so on, so on. And then he's almost talking about melodies like a, that go on and like on. He's thinking about obsessive thinking and thoughts that won't stop. Melodies that go on, go on, go yeah. on, go right. off. And so, you know, he was. He says at one point in that documentary, I think it's just one little clip. He says, or um, he says. Yeah, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, paranoid schizophrenia. You know, they, they said I was a paranoid <laughs> oh, schizophrenic. That <laughs> That's and um, I do think he was. Um, he had some form of 
legit, you know, mental illness. I think he was right. one of those artists that was. Uh, oh yeah, I think absolutely. Like Van Gogh, or, he had or, to, yeah, or yeah. Van Gogh, or where he's what he's seeing is not what you're seeing, and what the universe he's experiencing is not what we and you know are experiencing, and and you know that made him difficult to deal with and uh, yeah that would that'd be a very frustrating point of view to have like uh you know if you were that convinced yeah you know and and that you're trying to trying to explain your your uh yeah this philosophy to you know and then to like a group of musicians (laughs) yeah like a bunch of musicians that that just want to play and get paid this is what i'm going (laughs) trying to do and then you know trying to get people i mean to be able to get people to commit right cooter's sitting there like when am i getting paid amazing but (laughs) probably very frustrating right right i'm sure Uh, it was yeah trying to get these you you saw the the letterman interviews he's on there he's talking in these sort of like you know weird metaphors and things yes the audience is just kind of kind of uncomfortable kind of laughing kind of nervously yeah they don't good for david letterman to have him on though right see that he was on a couple of times i I love david there was another time he came on um where he ladies and gentlemen it's the point of the podcast (laughs) i swear i turned the volume down on my phone (laughs) rob's phone rings and we get to hear ACDC's what's the name of the song? Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Oh my god it. My got it. Every I stopped it. I should have kept it going. Fucking week. I should have let it go. I I stopped it, but I should have let it keep going. It was from Tamarack too. Who the hell's calling me from Tamarack? God it's the it. guy from Iron Maiden, your ribs are ready. <laughs> to hear more options, press zero. Hey Robert, it's Dave. Just calling to see how you got how you doing. Uh it's 20 after 9, so if you want to call me back, you can. Or I don't know if you're getting ready to go to sleep, because I know you get up early. So anyway, just double-checking on you, see how you're doing. All right, take care. Bye. Dude, who the hell's calling me from Tamarack? God it's the it. guy from Iron Maiden. Your ribs are ready. <laughs> Oh, I could go for some ribs right now. I'll tell you that much. All right. Did you know that the- Nico McBride? Nico McBride. Yeah, that's it. You got it. He he. Not only does he live. Not only does he live that. He's got a a restaurant called Rock and Roll Ribs. That's awesome. That makes the best ribs. Mike, you got to come down. If you ever leave Tallahassee, you got to come down here. You should. We'll take you to Rock and Roll Ribs. Yeah, Rock and Roll Ribs. It's awesome. Maybe Nico will show up. Um, we'll go to we'll go to the Hard Rock and oh. look at Ace Fraley's um, sweaty, stinky costume from I got a 1976. Maybe it's my in-laws. I don't know. My in-laws live in Tamarack. Um, all right. So hey, let's Ace get- Fraley's new. How about Ace Fraley's new restaurant, Hot would, Dog Radar? Oh, <laughs> please don't act like you Just wouldn't. Kidding. Don't act like you wouldn't eat there. I would oh, eat there. Fuck yeah, I like hot dogs better than ribs, actually. Um, <laughs> All right, we get to the final song on this goddamn record is Flash Gordon's Ape. Flash Gordon's Ape. I like this song, actually, and I like the whole... Yeah, this song is totally insane. <laughs> it's insane, right? But I like the inside. This song is, like, insane in a good way to me. Because... Uh, well, Flash Gordon may be one of those things that's passed into history and wouldn't actually make sense to people who are necessarily younger than us. Right, right. Because the last yeah. Flash Gordon in popular culture was that movie from, what, like, 81? Like, 80, 81, yeah. 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 Okay, but there's also some imagery. Let me ask you if you guys picked it up that remind me when he says... Um, 
you messed in the sky, you messed in the sky, picked a banana and threw it at the sun. Yeah. That remind me of a 2001 a Space Odyssey. One to totally. Right? Yes. Which came out in 68. I would say 1968 yes, and yeah. this is 70. So I think he was He's yeah, he was thinking about, of that, I, I right? So. The, the ape throwing the bone in the sky. You saw a flash in the water, now there ain't one. Right. Um you brought back something that wasn't there. You brought back something that wasn't fair. Pull back the adhesive tape. You're in a scrape. Take to your trees. There's no escape. The leaves are getting faker every every day. day. Flash Gordon's ape. So Flash Gordon, when I was a kid, like in the afternoon, maybe on Saturday afternoon or maybe it was like on Sunday morning, they would show these Flash Gordon black and white cereals. You know, they're just like... And they were so cheesy. Cheesy, yes. Like it's the, oh, yeah. it's the cheesiest thing you can imagine. <laughs> but it's still sort of compelling and interesting. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you if you have know you have to go to Sunday school and that Flash Gordon <laughs> is on. You would definitely rather watch the cheesy Flash Gordon. So like the rockets are going along and like the smoke is just going upwards. There's no it's just like a smoke bomb in the back of a you know. <laughs> so uh and remember this is seventy one, so we're still putting people on the moon and he's watching this and so we're flash gordon's ape we're the apes that are you know right right headed right. into outer space right um when we can't and right we can't. you just learn how to use your thumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good yeah and i like good. that line where he's like flash gordon's ape you're two day <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah, that's good. I actually, I don't know. See, I feel like if I give if I give it a little more time, I may come to appreciate it. But I also feel like I'm I'm never going to listen that's to okay. this again. You know, it's okay. Um, well, yeah, exactly. I, I people maybe I will. I mean, maybe they I know will. I'm into them, and they're like, I don't understand what's going and on. And maybe like, I'll listen because I never you like to- it or you don't, and it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's like I, I'm like, there's no, there's no right at the end of your life. There's not going to be. Well, you should have really listened to Beefheart more. <laughs> I've never listened to Trout. Mask replica, so I may actually dive into that one. That one's um, that one's that's that okay for many people. That's the one because that's what I've read. It's got the broadest range of of things that happen, and um, it's very very lyrically probably more obtuse. Would you say, Mike? Then this? Yeah. Well, my kid loves the little interludes on that record. The whole thing where they're like. Oh you yeah! Know, Are you like, Barry? like now we don't have to worry about Rocket Morton Morgan. and any of those girls, and it yep. makes that weird ass sound. And then you know, he's like, now I know yeah. why you. Now I know why you and Barry are friends, Mike. You, you're another dad that makes your child listen to Captain yeah, B part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Susan told me yes, yeah before but, I came out. Before I left, I was like, she's like, where are you going? I go, I'm, I'm going to go talk about. Captain Beefheart, and she goes, uh, she said something like, uh, I run on beans. Laser beans. <laughs> wow. I know Susan, Barry's wife, Susan, was saying Adele used to uh, used to take her to school, and she used to say, I don't, she was glad yeah. when Susan would, because she wouldn't have to listen to Captain Beefheart. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I don't make, I make a point of not inflicting this song. Yeah. <laughs> but you did, you did somehow, she got it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I probably played that. She probably thought I probably thought that she'd think that was funny, and she did. But she did. I really doubt that she wants to hear, you know, 
Well, good for her. That probably means she's a Some of the other stuff. <laughs> well-adjusted child and she'll probably do, do good in this world, unlike her, you know, unlike all of us. <laughs> well, that's what we hope is that our kids actually do better. You too, you do too. Of course, please, yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. yeah. What do I want them to be sitting doing a goddamn podcast in someone's uh, ki- uh, kitchen? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. And with so that... Play- <laughs> go ahead, Mike, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, one of the things about Flash Gordon's Ape, the, the way that it's mixed, is like, you know, it's got all those really chaotic horns. Yes. The yes. horns are totally on one side. <laughs> so if you pan it oh, all the way to the other side, that. you will not hear that. them. They're just funny. gone. They're old school stereo. Like, no, everything, all the, all this is going to be on the left and all this on the right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest, Mike. You were a great guest. Yes, you were the perfect guest to come and, on and talk about this record. Yes, to talk about Barry's, well, I'm Barry's glad. pick. I, I, I mean, your uh, pick. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. You were forced to listen to this record. No, no, it's all right because I like I like doing this, and unlike Barry, that just he he pouts. Uh, like a petulant child when I pick a record that he hates, but I actually try and give it a chance and try and get into it. Barry just I tried to like some things to, to, to compare I, it to, to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> I can, there's only two records that come to mind. No, don't even mention them. It's just, it, oh, it's I hurtful. See. It's too I hurtful see. to me. You don't uh, want me to bring up the well, black parade and David comes to life. Is that what we're talking about? Well, yeah. that's what we're talking uh, about. Yeah. But I, you know, we're different. We just come at things different. I like to be open-minded and give things a chance and you're uh, I, I, I rigid to, and know me like what you like. And that's it. Mike, you know, have you ever heard the band fucked up? You heard the band? Yeah, fu- I've heard that record. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That was <laughs> enough said. Your tone was <laughs> enough. It's like one of those records. It's one of those records that everybody loves and, I've listened to it a few times, and I, I, I didn't. It's like one of those ones. I don't think that everybody. I, I don't think everybody loves that. Didn't really stick with me that much. I don't think every. Well, you know, everyone. You know, we all dance to a different. Different uh, drama. That's true. Yeah, different drama. Yeah. That's what makes the world wonderful, that's and that's what makes this podcast what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, what are we doing next week, Barry? Uh, we are doing the um, album Voivod by the band. Voivod, and it's not their first album. Okay, okay, so but it's their self-titled album, but it's not their first album. It but is they no, but no way is it. Their is it their first only album. self-titled album? Because some bands do more than one self-titled. I believe it's their yes, it's their only self-titled okay. album. I'm excited in, for this because I really like. Came, came out in 2003. They're a really hard to categorize group because right. there's their metal and elements of punk, elements of sci-fi, elements and of prog, or exactly, and. Yeah. They're just standalone in their sort of un- and one of you know who's a huge, huge, huge Voivod fan. Kelly Shane. Well, yeah, Kelly Shane. Yes, also <laughs> <A> Billy Taylor. <laughs> Dave Grohl is a huge Voivod oh, fan. God. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like Dave. I feel like we mention on every the goddamn podcast so what, we do. You know, it, if there's a there's maybe like a, a guess. maybe a there's guess a twenty minute video on YouTube of him talking about Voivod and how. Really? Yes. Hey Dave, if you're out there, if you want to be a guest on that record, got me I Come on, you can be a guest. You can yeah. pick one of your stupid records you want to do. Yeah, that's going to go up. Um, <laughs> Alright, so don't forget, uh, check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron of us. For as little as a dollar a month. Would be awesome. Once again, Mike, thank you so much. Mike Coleman. Yeah, uh, thank you. What are your bands in Tallahassee? What yeah, are the other us. bands you're in? You're five uh, I'm in a band. Uh, I'm in a band right now uh, with uh, uh, Pat Barus, who was who Barry mentioned earlier. Uh, that band's called Ossifer. Which okay. is how you and say like, officer if you're drunk. 
Ossifer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like kind of a power trio thing. And then I'm in a kind of like a somewhat psychedelic, like kind of more kind of pop band uh, called Hold That Hand. Okay. Nice. Uh, rather than being Hold That Hand. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yes. Uh, but no, yeah, I play bass in that. And then I'm in another band that just got together, and that's that doesn't have a name, but we've... we've Oh, you don't even have a name yet. About oh, okay. Potential band names. Well, I'm sure you guys will come up with a good one because Tallahassee—that's what you guys do best—is yeah. come up with good yeah, band names. Sure. <laughs> and we're definitely, we're definitely going to put the link up to the Singing Spoons uh, American Buckle because that's uh, that's really I, awesome. I, well, I, did, I didn't tell you this, Mike. I don't think I mentioned this, but I actually sent that to the um, the uh, Gerard Cosloy. I sent that link to him about. Uh, American Buckle, and I said, Gerard, I think you need to, you should hear this, because I think it's a lost classic, and he just said, thanks, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's about, that's probably was his response the first time. He <laughs> well, he's consistent. At least he's consistent. I think when we, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, guys. No, thank, thank you so you, much, you, Mike, Mike, and uh, awesome. once again, uh, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. This is That Record Got Me High. We'll see you guys next week. Got me.